Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. I produce the Sterling Net Point Power Ranking and the Bias Plus Reports. Today is June 28th, 2023, and this is Ben and Barry on football. Hello out there. I am your co-host, my co-host. There you go. He's starting off already. <laughs> what you, you drinking? Let me have another drink. Have yeah, that what you got there? <laughs> my name is Ben Dickerson. I'm your co-host. And this is Ben and Barry on football. Oh, you already said that. By the way, again, like I said last week, this is kind of a slow time of year. Pretty much just baseball. But we do have some track and field coming up next week. But right now, we're going to stick to football. And with training camps beginning for some teams as soon as July 18th and then the 19th, 22nd, 25th, and on down the line, uh, seems to be a big issue nowadays with some free agents that are still out there and unsigned. Mm. There's a lot of speculation about where they might go. There's a lot of speculation about what teams might need and what teams could be looking at who. But it is getting close to training camp, and I would believe that if, in fact, teams have their eye on somebody, they would want to get them signed before training camp begins so they can get them in right at the beginning of the training camp and get a full camp in. So we're going to take a look at that. Who's available? Uh, of course, there's hundreds of guys available, but I'm only going to look at the top 10. I actually have top 10 plus one. And when I get to that one, you'll know why I did it plus one. Okay, all right. So in today's show, and again, let me remind people to click the uh, subscribe uh, button and the notification bell so that you will be notified. Uh, our videos come out about once a week. And um, so you're going to do the top 10 plus one free agents in the NFL. And then we're going to do the, the fifth in our installment of Brain Trust of the NFL, where we will look at the AFC South Division. Uh, fun place to look. And then we'll look at um, our current events and hot topics on the Ben and Barry on Facebook page. Uh, feel free to go there and take a look. Um, at what's there and, and visit us often and you'll find our videos there probably first. So, all right, Benny. Okay. Let's hear about these free agents because, you know, let me throw a wrinkle in the whole free agent thing. You know how you and I go back and forth about Kirk Cousins? Yes. Every time I hear about a quarterback that my coach, Kyle Shanahan, for my beloved 49ers, apparently this guy likes Kirk Cousins. He wants Kirk Cousins. And it really cracks me up considering how much of a reach they made for Trey Lance and what they were looking to do for Trey Lance. And now they're still talking about Kirk Cousins. And that's two completely different types of players. So, you know, Right now, he's not a free agent or anything like that. You know, he well, actually, I think this is his last year of his contract. So he might be on your free agent list next year. But it just it shows kind of what I call conflicted thinking and what's going on out there, especially with our free agents, because some of these free agents, I don't know if they want to get signed before training camp 
they might want to wait till somebody pulls a hammy or tears a knee out and then there's a real need and you got to pay top dollar. So tell us who's out there and uh, let's see what we got there. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you on the uh, aspect of a free agent, maybe not wanting to be signed before training camp, simply because most of these guys are veteran players and they're sort they of- They don't want to go to camp anyway. <laughs> they're getting up there in age and they don't want to go to camp. Not at least a full training camp, that's for mm -hmm. sure. Now, I don't know about waiting around long enough for somebody to pull a hammy, but I think they would rather, if they could, miss part of training camp. And again, that can, they can still sign and, and pull that off. Mm -hmm. It's been done. You know, but I understand what you're saying. The other thing you said, let me make sure I'm clear. You heard or read something about Kyle Shanahan wanting Kirk Cousins? Oh, I've read this over the years. But I read something recently, you know, and, and again, this is the remember we talk about this is the period of, of time for conjecture. So you hear all types of stuff. But basically, I believe what they're saying, if you look at the quarterback room for the 49ers, if Kyle Shanahan had his druthers, he pulled her cousins in as his starter. That's what you got from whatever you heard? Yes. Okay. All right. Confliction, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Especially with the fact that he seemed to have his sights set on Trey Lance for a particular reason. That particular reason was that he wanted to tailor his offense for a dual threat quarterback. So wanting to have Kirk Cousins is completely opposite thinking of that. But hey, what the heck? It's Kyle Shanahan. I'm just me, you know? <laughs> so anyway. That being said, I'm going to go through my list. I'll try not to spend too much time, but I want to put the information out there. Now, these are the guys that I consider still having some juice left. Okay. That's why I'm saying I think they're the top available guys, guys that should be drawing interest from teams and guys that we should be seeing getting picked up between now and when training camp starts or shortly after that, which is like mid-July. So the first guy I got here is Yannick Ngakwe. He's an edge rusher. He's 28 years old. Last season, he played with Indianapolis. Now, he started 15 games. He recorded 29 sacks, a forced fumble. I'm sorry, 29 sacks. That's crazy. That'd be a record, wouldn't it? 29 tackles, a forced fumble, and he led the team with nine and a half sacks. Now, the funny thing is, this guy has been on five different teams over the last five seasons, but he has at least eight sacks every single year of his career. You, you wonder how a guy that plays that consistently can continue to show up year after year after year on a different team. But for whatever reason, he signs these one-year deals. Either it's because he wants to or because the team wants to. Uh, I can't figure that out. I didn't dig that deeply into it, but that's the scenario for him. So now he's free again. Uh, he's also the youngest top flight edge rusher this offseason. So of the best top flight, of the best edge rushers that are available, he would be the youngest guy, and he's 28. Now, there is some speculation about some of these guys uh, 
between NFL.com, Pro Football Focus, ESPN. So I'll just throw some feelers out there because people may have some, some opinions on this. But the teams that the consensus or word on the street is where these guys best fit, I'll let you know that if, in fact, that's out there. And for Ngakwe, it would be either the Cleveland Browns or the Atlanta Falcons. Both teams need defensive line help, and he best fits probably at one of those teams. Now, the next guy I have is also an edge rusher. That's Jadavian Clown. He's 30 years old. He was the number one overall pick in the 2014 draft, and that pick uh, was the uh, Houston Texans picked him up. Now, he only played in two games his rookie year before knee surgery shut him down for the season. Now, besides that season, his rookie season, um, he recorded less than six sacks only four times in his career. So what is that, Mr. Math Major, 2014 to 2022? I'm sorry, say that one more time. How much time is that between 2014 and 2022? How many years is that? 14, that's about seven, eight years. Okay, seven or eight years. Only four times did he fail to get at least six sacks. So he's had a pretty productive career so far. Uh, his best total was nine and a half sacks in 2017. And in what could be considered a comeback season of sorts, he got nine sacks in 2021. That was pretty recent. Now, he did that while playing with Cleveland Browns. He started 10 games for the Browns last season, but he only had two sacks. But he did record 28 tackles. He had four tackles for loss, one forced fumble, and he had one fumble recovery. The best fit for him sounds like it would be either the, I was getting ready to say San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers, or back to the team that originally drafted him, the Houston Texans. Both teams need that help. He's 30 years old. Looks like he still has some juice. Next guy is also an edge rusher slash outside linebacker. He's played in a couple of different styles of defense. That would be Justin Houston. Now, he's 34 years old. In 12 seasons, mostly with the Kansas City Chiefs, only four times in those 12 seasons did Houston end up with less than eight sacks. So, again, we're pretty consistently productive guy we're talking about here. Uh, one of those seasons was in 2021 with the Baltimore Ravens when he finished with four and a half sacks. But then he resigned with Baltimore last season, 2022, and he bounced back and had nine and a half sacks in 14 games. So again, looks like this guy still's got some juice left. Uh, he's obviously on the back end of his career being 34 years old, but it looks like he can still be productive. Uh, I don't have any speculation teams for him, but I'm sure there's somebody out there looking for help on their D-line. Now we move to another position. That would be cornerback. The best cornerback out there still left unsigned is Marcus Peters. He's age 30. He has 30. Oh, listen to this. This is pretty. I thought this was pretty cool. He has 32 career interceptions and leads all active players in career interception return yards. That's, you know, you get the interception, you run it back. Not necessarily for a touchdown, but of course, if you get the turnover, and you get a nice run back, that's great for your offense. This guy's got 822 return yards 
off of interceptions. Now, to put that stat into perspective, Hall of Famer Ed Reed was the last player to make it to 1,000 interception return yards, and that was back in 2013. Okay, so Marcus Peters is what a little less than 200 yards away from that record. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's that's pretty good. And again, uh, this is a guy that looks like he still got some juice. 13 starts last season for the Ravens. He only had one interception, but he had six passes defended, and that was after missing all of 2021 with an ACL injury. He also had 47 tackles, one sack. That's pretty good for a cornerback. If a cornerback can get a sack, that's that's interesting. Doesn't happen all the time. Uh, Charles Woodson was pretty good at that. Uh, two forced fumbles and two fumble recoveries. So he hits, he tackles, he's around the ball. I believe he will have a better year once he's one year removed from that ACL surgery. And he's got uh, plenty of ball hawking skills still left. Can still hang with most of the top receivers in the league. The great thing I hear, and of course, I hate to try to get my hopes up too high, but the best fit for him sounds like it's the New York Giants. Moving right along, we have a safety, top safety still available. John Johnson, 27 years old. After his first four seasons with the Rams, Johnson was considered one of the top safeties in the league. That was in 2020. Since then, though, his production's fallen off a little bit but he's only 27 years old. So he's still pretty young. Anything less than 30 in the NFL is considered pretty much still in your prime. Uh, last season with Cleveland, he had one interception, four passes defended, but he's still pretty solid in coverage. He had 81 tackles. So he comes up in the box. He does hit uh, four tackles for loss. He also forced two fumbles and had two fumble recoveries. No speculations on him. So, again, another good defensive back that's out there that can help somebody. Next guy up, Dalvin Cook. Everybody knows Dalvin Cook. He's a running back. He's 27 years old, played his whole career with the Minnesota Vikings so far. But they decided to release him. I kind of feel like money had something to do with that. But anyway, Cook rushed for 1,173 yards and eight touchdowns last year on 264 carries. That's important. You'll, you'll find out why uh, in, in a second here. He's the only player in the league to rush for over 1,100 yards in each of the last four seasons. Let me repeat that. The only player in the league to rush for over 1,100 yards in his last four seasons in a row. I'd say he's still got plenty of tread on his tires for sure. He can definitely help somebody out there. Word on the street is this guy's headed to New England. It's very strong word on the street. He went there for a visit. Patriots? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, still remains to be seen if, in fact, they do pull the trigger and sign him because there was also some word out there that Jets were looking at him. But I think the Jets like the young running backs that they have. And uh, chances are he's going to end up in New England. Now, we have another running back. Also, age 27, but his name is Ezekiel Elliott. Now, here's the difference. Zeke has 1,881 total rushing attempts in his career. 
which is more than any other active NFL player. That's a lot of carries, bro. He got mileage on his tires. As a point of reference, Dalvin Cook, who we just talked about, has 1,282 carries. He's the same age and has only played one less season than Zeke. That's about close to 600 more carries for Zeke. On a or, or you can look at it this way. 600 carries is approximately two seasons worth of work. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Now, Elliott did rush for 876 yards last year, carried the ball 231 times, which is low for him, according to his career stats. Uh, and he did score 12 touchdowns, which was, which was pretty good, considering he was basically the number two option at running back slash short yardage guy, you know. So, uh, and, and he's pretty good in pass protection too. But of course you don't carry the ball when you pass protection. But uh, the problem is his yards per carry average was only 3.8. So I'm, I think it's safe to say that his bell cow days are over. He won't be the leading running back for anybody anymore, but he could supply some depth. Uh, and if he can stay injury free, he can help somebody out there. I don't have any speculation about where Zach may be going. Next up, DeAndre Hopkins, one of your favorite guys. He's a wide receiver. He is 31 years old. Nuke. Nuke, right, Nuke. Hopkins only played nine games last season because of injury. But in those nine games, he caught 64 balls for 717 yards and three touchdowns. I have no doubt that with a full, healthy season, Nuke can still be a top NFL wide receiver, and could possibly be a number one option, depending on who signs him. Now, when I say that, here's, here's an explanation on that. The two teams that seem to be the best fit for him are the Buffalo Bills, which would make him a superstar second option, and the Kansas City Chiefs, which would make him, again, a number one option. So, like I said, depends on which team picks him up as to what his role would be. Okay, next up. I'm sorry. No, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next up, a quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Two Gloves. Teddy Two Gloves seems like he's been around forever, but he's only 30. Most of these guys are right, right around 30-ish. So if and when he gets picked up, It'll be his fifth team in five years. But he's still considered one of the best backups in the league. Best job in the NFL. His most recent shining moment was in New Orleans in 2019 when he filled in for Drew Brees, and he went 5-0 with the Saints. Unfortunately, from 2020 to 2022, he's only gone 11-20 and as a starter. Those years were spent in Carolina, Denver, and last year in Miami. Played two games. He went 0-2, suffered a concussion, and a broken finger. So it didn't end well for him last season. However, concussions and broken fingers are something you can get over. And he's shown that he can play just about in any system, and he can learn just about any playbook. So best fits for him? Let's see. Who could use a backup quarterback? Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Buffalo Bills. Those are his two options. Not his two options, I'm sorry. Those are two teams that may be looking at him strongest. 
Now, this guy I wasn't going to include, but you sent me something earlier today, and it basically was the best free agent offense they could put out there of guys that weren't signed. You put a whole offense together. And the starting wide receiver on that offense was one Julio Jones. Mm. Mm. So I stuck Julio in here. I took a look at what's going on with Julio. Now, he's 34. That ain't young for an NFL player, and it certainly ain't young for a wide receiver. He signed with Tampa Bay last year after I think he had a season with the Titans where he didn't do too well or was hurt again. Unfortunately, week one, first game of the season last year, he was sidelined with a partially torn PCL, posterior collateral ligament. I think that's like in the back of your knee. Now, he was able to return in week eight. He finished out the regular season, but he only had, that, that's approximately nine games I think he played after he came back from being hurt. Uh, he only caught 24 balls, 299 yards, and two touchdowns. That's really, really pedestrian numbers, especially for a guy that was a, a superstar, no doubt about. Most of his season, uh, most of his career, he's been considered a superstar wide receiver. However, in the very last game he played last year, which was a wild card loss to the Cowboys, he had a pretty nice day. He had seven catches for 74 yards, and he scored a touchdown. The accumulation of injuries over the years puts his career in jeopardy, really does. He's really getting to the end of the road, if you ask me. However, if he could string together a full healthy season, I think he could still be somewhat productive. I'm just basing that on what he's done so far over his pretty long and pretty much being a superstar career. Now, that's 10. This is number 11, quarterback Carson Wentz. <laughs> Carson Wentz is 31 years old. Now, after the Eagles selected Wentz number two overall in the 2016 draft, they traded away Sam Bradford. You remember Sam Bradford? You don't remember Sam Bradford, do you? I do kind of remember Sam Bradford. Yeah, okay. I think they got him from the Rams for a year or two. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, Rams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, or they traded him to the Rams. It was one or the other. But anyway, they let Sam Bradford go because they liked the way Carson Wentz looked in training camp. They committed to him as their starter. He had a decent rookie year. He threw for 3,782 yards which is really good for a rookie. He had 16 touchdowns, but he had 14 interceptions. That was his rookie year. But the next season, he started 13 games, led the team to an 11-2 record, threw for 3,296 yards with 33 touchdowns and only seven interceptions, and was the front runner for the MVP award. Then he tore his ACL. <laughs> Of course, that was 2017. Uh, some dude whose name escapes me right now, but he's got a statue down South Philly. Came in, took over, and took him to Mr. the F O L E S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. That guy. Anyway, he had people falling all over themselves. Where is he now, folks? But anyway, in 2019, fully healthy again, went started all 16 games. This is still for the Eagles. But reports began to surface about teammates criticizing him. It was on TV and on the radio. 
quite a bit on talk radio because they, you know, they thrive on that kind of stuff. Uh, criticizing him as being selfish and trying to do too much, always looking for the big play, throwing in the coverage unnecessarily, ignoring the easy checkdowns, things like that. Really selfish type of play. Uh, he did throw for 4,039 yards that year. He did have 27 touchdowns and, again, only seven interceptions. But he took a helmet-to-helmet -helmet hit in the playoffs against the Seahawks. I think that was from Jadavian Clowney, too. <laughs> and he left the game with a concussion. After that, the 2020 season began, and that also started the downward spiral. Bad decisions, bad throws, costly interceptions, started fumbling the ball. He was a turnover machine. He got benched for Jalen Hurts in week 13 against the uh, Packers, I believe they were playing. At that point, he led the league in interceptions with 15. He led the league in total turnovers with 19. And he led the league in sacks taken with 50. And that was after only 12 games. Mm. He ain't been right since, bro. The same issues plagued him in stints with Indianapolis and Washington. And at this point, there's a chance his career could be over. That's you know, it. Funny. That's um, I recently played, uh, uh, you know, again, I'm a Madden guy. And the one thing that I could pretty much feel comfortable about or assured of is that you can confuse Wentz. You know, you can come out like in a zone, switch to a man, or come out in a man, switch to a zone, and you can confuse him. And, you know, that's something that, you know, I utilize a lot when I'm playing Wentz, and you can see how effective it is. And I'm sure after his second year, when they had a little more tape on him, and they kind of had an idea about what's going on, you know, and, and with him, and, and they could pressure him. And the thing that we kept saying about Wentz was he'd be in the pocket with plenty of opportunity, the, the pocket breaking down, but he had opportunity to throw the ball away, and he wouldn't. He'd just right. go down, you know, and, and it was the it was maddening. Even I'm not even an Eagle fan. I'm just a football fan, and I'm like, dude, throw the ball away, will you? Please, right. no. Right. So, I'm not sure about Wentz, but the best job in the NFL, there might be a place for him in terms of that. That's been questioned also. Some people don't think he has the right frame of mind to be a backup. Mm. Okay. Well, his mindset is, has been a question all along. So, all right. Crazy, crazy. So right now, Wentz is on the market. No idea where he might go. Nope. Okay. Who else you got? That's it. That's it? We finished on a high note? <laughs> on a Wentz yeah. note? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's out, but we have no idea where he's going to go. <laughs> None. <laughs> he made some wild plays in his time. I mean, I just remember uh, watching one game and he would, it was almost Randall Cunningham like the way they would come at him. And even though he's so tall, he would duck underneath of him and then look downfield and throw a 30, 40 yard, you know, strike, you know, early on. And then, you know, like I said, all of that, all of that sort of dissipated. Well, Ben's top 10 plus one available free agents for the NFL, eh? That's not a bad list. That's not a bad list. Um, 
Nobody's coming to my Niners, but you did have one that was uh, for defense that you you liked your Giants, right? Yes. And who was that again? That was uh, Marcus Peters, the corner. Marcus Peters. Whose place would he be taking that corner? Uh, well, after Bradbury left, he went to the Eagles. And that, since then, he left again. I believe he went to the Saints. Uh, I forget who they replaced him with. But a veteran like Peters is really a tough guy. The knock on Peters is he, he takes a lot of chances. He gambles quite a bit. You know what I mean? But again, he's got a lot of career interceptions. And when he gets the ball, he can go with it. You know what I mean? So got great ball skills still, even at the uh, tender age of 30. So I, I would love to have him, to tell you the truth. He's a tough guy. Yeah, 30 is, you know, he's fine at 30. I don't have a problem with that in terms of age. All right, fantastic. Thank you for that. Next up, Benny, we're going to take a look at the brain trust for the AFC South. You ready for that? All right, let's take a look at the first team in the NFC South. And we went by record here. So that's how we got to who's going to be first, who's going to be second. And we start off with the Jacksonville Jaguars. General manager Trent Balky, head coach Doug Peterson, offensive coordinator Press Taylor, defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell, special teams coordinator Heath Farwell, and quarterback Trevor Lawrence. So let's start out, Benny, talking a little bit about Trent Balky. He was hired as the Jaguar general manager uh, back in 2021. He's out of Wisconsin. He has a bachelor's degree in health and uh, physical education. And he played outside linebacker and was the All-Northern Sun Conference and All-Midwest Regional Honoree for Bemidji State, B-I-M-I-D-G-J-I, State <laughs> in Minnesota. What's that, Division 7? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> he was an outside linebacker. That was the main thing. He began his coaching career as a graduate assistant at North Dakota State in 1989. So he's been around for a long time. He helped them finish with a 14-0 record and a Division II national championship. How you like that? I'll take that. He worked as a defensive line and strength and conditioning coach at San Diego, San, excuse me, South Dakota State okay. until 95. And he was the athletic director at Shanley High School in 96 and 97. So he was getting a variety of Shanley? experience. You said Shanley? Shanley, S-H-A-N-L-E-Y High School. Oh, oh no, it's somewhere else. Okay. I he started was... his NFL career as a personnel scout with the New York Jets from 98 to 2000. 2001, he went to Washington as the National Scout and College Scouting Coordinator. Uh, he spent 12 seasons with my beloved 49ers. He went from Western Region Scout to Director of Player Personnel to Vice President of Player Personnel and spent some time as the GM. In 2011, he was named the Executive of the Year 
by the Pro Football Writers of America and Pro Football Weekly. I guess my Niners went from six and ten to thirteen and three. Yeah, yeah, while he was there. Uh, the Niners, while he was there, appeared in three consecutive NFC championships from twenty eleven to thirteen, and the Super Bowl. All of that while Balky was with the organization. He began overseeing all player acquisitions in 2010. He has uh, accounted for nine All-Pro selections. Uh, overall, the Niners produced 24 All-Pro selections. They have a lot of Pro Bowls in here, but I'm not including the Pro Bowl. Where no, but that's, that's the stuff that gets you GM of the Year awards. That's the stuff that did it, that will do it, right? He joined the Jaguars in February of 2020 as the team's director of player personnel before being named interim GM. And now he is the GM. So that's Mr. Trey. Uh, you know, it's we like it's interesting. Not all GMs had football experience, even at that high school or lower level, college level. Right. So that's why I wanted to make sure that I included that. Now yeah, playing experience and coaching experience. And coaching experience. Yeah. Almost, almost everyone, almost every GM we talk about has scouting experience and front office experience, but not everyone has playing and coaching experience. Awesome. So true. So true. So true. Well, you talked about uh, Carson Wentz, and some of that time Carson Wentz was here, I do believe Doug Peterson was his coach, eh? Yes. <laughs> It says here that he was hired as the head coach by the Jaguars in 2022. He's from Bellingham, Washington, and attended Northeast Louisiana, now Louisiana Monroe, where he was a three-year starter at quarterback, finishing his career with 6,445 yards, 33 touchdowns, he was 571 out of 132 passing. A 12-year NFL veteran. Played quarterback for the Packers, the Dolphins, the Eagles, and the Browns. He was originally drafted by the Panthers in the 1995 expansion draft. You right. see, now that was a little bit before when I was really following closely. <laughs> you might know a little bit more about that. Uh, he played for the Packers. Uh, from 96 to 98 and 2001 to 04 was part of the Packers team that won Super Bowl 31, two NFC championships, and six division titles. This guy has been coached, Benny, by Don Shula, Mike Holmgren, and Andy Reid. So he's got some serious coaching um, in his background. Much respect for Dougie P. He started out as an offensive quality control coach with the Eagles. Then he coached the quarterbacks. Then he was the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs from 2013 to 2015, helping them to a 31 and 17 record. Working with Alex Smith, of all people, when he left my beloved Niners and went to uh, the Chiefs. In 2016 to 2020, as the head coach for the Eagles, he compiled a 46-39 and one record. He coached Michael Vick, Carson Wentz, and Nick Foles. So uh, there's so much here about Peterson. 
He led the Eagles to their first ever Super Bowl in Super Bowl 52 with a 41-33 victory over the Patriots. So, you know, you can't say much bad about Coach Peterson as far as I'm concerned, as far, you know, not that I'm even an Eagle fan, but he's, you know, he's done for the Eagles what nobody <laughs> has done before, and that's helped them win the Super Bowl. And he did it with a backup quarterback, much less. At, you know, in the biggest game of, of you know, the year. So uh, big ups for that. Now, offensive coordinator, Press Taylor. Press is out of Norman, Oklahoma, went to Norman High School, served as a graduate assistant quarterback coach at Tulsa, where he helped the Golden Hurricanes win the 2012 Conference USA Championship and the Liberty Bowl title after finishing with a 10 and three record. From 2013 to 2020, he served in a variety of roles with Philadelphia and worked with Doug Peterson until 2020. He started out as a quality control coach and then was promoted to offensive quality control assistant quarterbacks coach, and then became the quarterback coach before adding passing game coordinator to his titles. He spent 2021 season as a senior offensive assistant with the Colts, became the offensive coordinator for the Jaguars in 2022. Um, he and his wife have two daughters, Teal and Carolina Lee, and one son, Woods. His father, Sherwood, played and coached at Oklahoma. Now, does the last name ring a bell for you, Press, Press Taylor? Taylor. Yeah, he's Zach Taylor's brother. He's Zach Taylor, head coach for the Cincinnati Bengals brother. Absolutely. So talking about having those uh, genes, those coaching genes. Let's talk quickly about Mike Caldwell. Mike went to Middle Tennessee State, where he uh, earned a spot in the Football Hall of Fame for them. Uh, he is 11 an 11-year NFL veteran, having played with the Browns, the Ravens, the Cardinals, the Eagles, the Bears, and the Panthers. Yeah, was he a linebacker? Was he a linebacker? Yes, because he spent, the, when he started with the Eagles, there's this word again, intern, right? Right. Training camp intern in 2007 before spending two seasons as the defensive quality control Coach. He then spent 2010 as the assistant linebackers coach before being elevated to linebacker coach uh, until 2012. Spent two seasons coaching linebackers for the Cardinals. From 2015 to 18, he was an assistant head and coach inside linebacker coach with the Jets. And he spent the last three seasons, 19 to 21, as the uh, Buccaneers inside linebackers coach. 2022 became the defensive coordinators for the Jaguars. He has a son that plays, Sydney, who plays for the University of Pennsylvania basketball team. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, so. Okay, Benny, so special teams coordinator, Heath Farwell. Um, this is his first season in Jacksonville, his sixth season in the NFL. Most recently, he was the Bills special teams coordinator. Um, he 
brings six years of coaching experience and 10 years as an NFL linebacker playing for the Vikings and the Seahawks. And that was between 2005, the Vikings to 10, and then from 11 to 14 as the Seahawks. And he served as a Seahawks special teams captain when they won Super Bowl, what's that, 48, I do believe, Super Bowl 48. Um, with the Seahawks, so he's got a little bit of championship in his uh, in his experience there. So, congratulations um, to Mr. Heath Farwell, and again, a linebacker, Benny. You know, we like linebackers. Mostly special teams guy. He wasn't a starter. I don't think. Hey, he was on the team. I don't think he was a starter either. Oh no, he was on the team. No, I'm saying he was on the team. That's the main thing, because that was yeah. the uh, Legion of Boom, right? Right, right. So he would have had to replace somebody serious. Okay, yeah. so Benny, the last part of the uh, brain trust, when we take a look at him, is always going to be the quarterback. He's got to execute these plans. He's the one that they chose. And they got a good one. They got Trevor Lawrence. Um. <sighs> Trevor Lawrence, Ben, became the first quarterback in the Atlantic Coast Conference to win three ACC championship games and was only the sixth in history to record at least 10,000 career passing yards. But he's a Clemson guy, only one of 19 players in Clemson history to be a three-time All-ACC Academic Team Honoree. Academic Team Honoree. He was the 2018 ACC Rookie of the Year, ACC Offensive Rookie of the Year, Second Team All-ACC, AP ACC Newcomer of the Year, and All-ACC Academic Selection. This is his, what, second, third year now? I think he's going into his fourth year. Uh, let's see here. So he, he, but he spent his first one or two years with a crazy coach. <laughs> and that's one way of putting it. That's one way of putting it. And an article I, I saw that says here that uh, for the first time, he's going to be able to play and not think. He said to have the same staff, to have a lot of the same players, to have that carryover, carry over, and the system being the same. He said it feels good having that and being able to focus on little parts of my game instead of just making sure I got the installs and know the plan coming into practice. He said during OTAs, not having that stress of just learning the playbook, I can just really focus on my game and my mechanics. Yeah. So that's what you want to hear from your quarterback. They've, they've had enough stability. They, they have a little bit of experience with the playbook now. And let me tell you something. You know, you know this and I know this, but it's about execution. Which is funny that I can't say the word. <laughs> but long story short, with a coach like Doug Peterson, an offensive coordinator like Press Taylor, um, you know, he's getting good information. And if you know your plays, and to me, that's what it's really all about, knowing your plays to the point 
where you know all of your options. Like on any pass play, you generally have anywhere from three to five options, if not more, that you can go to. And it's not a matter of trying to think about it. It's a matter of you can look at the defense, you see what the defense is doing, and you know who's where. So I'm really kind of looking forward to seeing what he's going to do in his second year. What do you think? Well, this is actually going into his third season. Third season. Okay. Yeah, thanks. I just looked it up. He's going into his third season now. Um, and Second with Doug Peterson, though, right? Second with Doug Peterson. That would be correct. Yeah. Okay. I see we're kind of trying to forget about uh, the Urban Meyer year. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, you know, he gets my empathy, if not sympathy. To have to go through, through that. that mess. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, the funny thing is, since we're talking about Trevor Lawrence here first, um, Trevor Lawrence is one of those guys, and there's there's others. It, we could probably come up with several if we thought about it hard enough. But as soon as you start talking about him and being in college and all, and all his college accomplishments, I remember Trevor Lawrence being one of those guys that was pegged for greatness in high school. In high school. In high school. In high school, they said, this is the dude. This guy's going to be great in college. This guy's going to be great in the NFL. This guy might be a Hall of Famer. That's that's the way they talked about Trevor Lawrence. And his college career made it very hard to argue that they might be on to something. His college career was tremendous. Tremendous. Um I really like Trevor Lawrence a lot. Uh, we talked about Trent Balky. I've mentioned several times my respect for Doug Peterson and the fact that he came up and learned through Andy Reid on the Eagles and on the Chiefs, uh, which kind of makes me feel good about Eric Bieniemy. I know we talked about him already last year, but he kind of had the same trajectory, at least uh, – on the chief side of things. Press Taylor, I believe, came through the same coaching tree as his brother, which would have been the Mike Shanahan tree. Um, it's so starting that, to sound like my Niners is like a coaching factory, isn't it? Yeah, well, really, it's his dad. His dad started the factory, Mike Shanahan. So that's where McVay and all them, and they are a bunch of them all coached together on uh, the Washington team before they started getting head coaching stints and coordinator stints in other places. So that's, that's the coaching tree that they come from. I like Mike Caldwell simply because I know and I remember Mike Caldwell as a player. He wasn't a great player, but he was a player. He played, he played for several different teams. Um, so I think he's going to do a fine job there as DC. Uh, I wasn't familiar with the special teams coordinator, but it sounds like he's played special teams. He's played in the NFL. He has a ring. He should get respect from his players, and that's that's a big deal. Uh, and again, Trevor Lawrence now going into his second season with Doug Peterson, everything's going to get a lot easier from here on out. Now that the system is established, his checkdowns are established, all his schemes and all that stuff. Everything should come easier to him. He has nowhere to go but up. I'm expecting big things from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, let's see who the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to have to contend with here. 
in that division. And we go to the Tennessee Titans, where we have GM Rand Carthen, head coach Mike Vrabel, offensive coordinator Tim Kelly, defensive coordinator Shane Bowen, special teams coordinator Craig Aukerman, and quarterback, still listed as a starter, Ryan Tannehill. Malik is waiting in the wings, but I don't. They haven't listened to him as a starter yet. And they're not going to either. <laughs> That's a story for another day. All right, all right. Well, let's start out with one, Mister Rand Carthen. Now, Rand is short for Arandic. He's born Arandic Cornell Carth Carthen. Okay. Uh, he had, he went to school down in Key West, um, high school down in Key West, Florida, and was the, is the Titan, okay, let's say it again, and is the Titans' 14th general manager. He spent six seasons with the San Francisco 49ers, including the last two as the team's director of player personnel. Uh, he entered the NFL as a pro scout with the Falcons back in 2011. He spent five seasons with the St. Louis slash Los Angeles Rams as director of pro personnel. Uh, he was director of pro personnel for my Niners from 2017 to 2020. And... He was responsible for evaluating the top college prospects and assisting in the construction of pro free agent board and evaluations with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, where they reached three playoff appearances, two division titles and a division championship in 2019. He actually played. He played three seasons in the NFL with the Colts after entering the league as an undrafted free agent. He tallied at the University of Florida, 1,353 career rushing yards over four seasons and was part of the Gators 2000 SEC championship team. Uh, his father played for the New York Giants and the Colts and so. coached in New England, the Jets, Detroit, Dallas, Cleveland, Arizona, and the city. His dad is Maurice Carthen. Yep. All right. There's your Giants. He got his bachelor's degree in sociology from the University of Florida. Uh, as a member of the Rams in 2013 and 2018, selected to participate in the NFL Career Development Symposium at the Wharton School of Business and he took part in the inaugural NFL coach and front office acceleration program. So he's on the, on the path to the top there. He's recognized there. Head coach, Mike Vrabel, 
Well, Benny, Mike Rabel was a linebacker. He played defensive end for Ohio State, but he played linebacker for the Steelers, the Patriots, the Chiefs from 2000 to 2010. Um, he, <laughs> it, it was funny. I read this piece in here about um, what Belichick said um, about him. It says, upon the trade of Rabel from the Patriots to the Chiefs in 2019, Belichick said, Mike Rabel epitomizes everything a coach could seek in a professional football player. Toughness, intelligence, playmaking, leadership, versatility, and consistency at the highest level. His wit and personality is one of the things we've all enjoyed. Witty is something I never attributed to Rabel. Okay, that's, you know. So of all the players I've coached in my career, there's nobody I enjoyed uh coaching more he joined the seasons he joined the titans after four seasons with the texans and uh during the time in houston they had one of the top defenses in the nfl so he started out as a linebacker coach going back to 2011 at ohio state he also coached the defensive line uh, he was named Big Ten Recruiter of the Year by ESPN.com. Uh, he was selected by the Steelers in the third round of the 1997 NFL Draft. Um, let's see. He was a two-time winner of the Big Ten Conference Defensive Lineman of the Year and graduated with a degree in exercise science. You ever heard of that degree before? It's a gym teacher. <laughs> Him and his teammate, Luke Fickle and Ryan Miller, teammates, co-founded the Two and Seven Foundation, a nonprofit promoting reading by providing free books and positive role models to kids in need. So he's done it all. He's out of Akron, Ohio. And, uh, you know, what can I tell you, man? When you get that kind of a, a, a what's the word commendation from Bill Belichick, that's big time. You know, that's big time. So, offensive coordinator Tim Kelly, just taking a quick look at his timeline. His timeline goes all the way back to 2008 when he was a defensive graduate assistant. Uh, at Illinois Westland, he became the defensive coordinator at Minnesota State in Moorhead. He was a graduate assistant at Ball State and Penn State and became the offensive quality control coach in 2014 for the Texans. Uh, he was an offensive quality control coach. They added assistant offensive line coach to his uh, work. He also coached the tight ends uh, for the Texans until 2018, in which time, 2019, he became the offensive coordinator, adding quarterbacks coach to that for the Texans. And in 2022, he was the offensive passing game coordinator for the Titans. 
So now he is the offensive coordinator for the Titans. So Texas, Titans, Penn State, Ball State, Minnesota. Uh, he's done a little bit of it all uh, back in high school. He was a member of the East Suburban Catholic Conference Hall of Fame, Benny. Got his bachelor's degree in sports administration from Eastern Illinois, where he started all 48 games at defensive tackle. <laughs> so he's got a pretty long and varied coaching career, he does. His brother Dennis is an NFL offensive lineman who spent five seasons with the Titans. Defensive coordinator Shane Bowen, his timeline says that um, in 2019, he was an assistant linebacker coach for Georgia Tech, became the offensive, uh, he was an offensive graduate assistant and a defensive graduate assistant for Ohio State in 2012, linebacker coach at Kennesaw State in 2013 to 15, he joined the Texans as a defensive assistant in 2016. In 2018, he worked with the Titans as outside linebacker and became the Titans defensive coordinator in 2021. So there's your Shane Bowen. Um, let's see what I have on him. Anything else there? All right. So that's pretty that's pretty much enough. You can always look up more stuff on on this guy. But uh long, long history of uh of coaching. Let's see here. Next up, we have special teams coordinator Craig Aukerman. Now, Craig started out, his timeline goes all the way back to 2000. Um, he was a wide receivers coach at the University of Finley, Finley, Ohio, which is right near where my uh, my dad is from in Lima. Not far. Finley is nowhere from there. He's a graduate assistant in Miami of Ohio, linebackers and special teams coordinator for Western Kentucky, a coordinator for Miami of Ohio, uh, linebackers coach, linebackers coach at Kent State. In 2010, he became a defensive assistant for the Broncos. and 2011, for the Jaguars. Uh, and in 2012, became the assistant special teams coach for Jacksonville. 2013, became the assistant special teams coach for the Chargers and then became their coordinator. After that, he joined the Titans as assistant special teams uh, coach Andy Kane eventually a special teams coordinator. So that's one Mr. Craig Ackerman, whose timeline goes far, pretty far back. Now, Ben, you kind of shook your head a little bit when I talked about the quarterback portion of uh, the brain trust for the Titans. One, Mr. Ryan Tannehill. Now, Ryan Tannehill has had an interesting career. Um, brings experience. He's a veteran. Uh, they traded for him in 2019. So now it's 2023. He's had a certain level of success. 
They gave him a multi-year extension in 2020. I'm not sure where he's staying in his contract right now. Um, but he's had some some highlights. You know, he had 3,734 passing yards in 2021. Uh, in 2020, finished fifth in the NFL in passer rating. Uh, in his first season, he led the Titans to a 9-4 and four combined record and won the NFL Comeback Player of the Year as in addition to his first Pro Bowl. Uh, he was named AFC Offensive Player of the Month in 2019. Um, so he's had a number of years uh, as, as a quarterback, and I won't go too far into it, but he founded Tannehill's ACES Achieving Communications Education Success Program with his wife, Lauren, which consists of 17 sophomores from American senior high schools, and is focused on awarding scholarships to the participating students who strive for good grades and who took on an active role in the community by hosting monthly events. Uh, he took on that, hosting monthly events to reward the students and help them give back to the community. So his father, template wide receiver at Texas Tech. So there's your brain trust for the Tennessee Titans. Rand Carthen, Mike Vrabel, Tim Kelly, Shane Bowen, Craig Aukerman, and quarterback Ryan Tannehill. There you go. What you got on that? Uh, I'm not impressed. I gotta like Ryan Cart Rand Carthon, because I remember him as running back at Florida. Dang. Um, yeah. But I really remember his dad, Maurice Carthon, who was a fullback, almost in uh, uh, a position that's extinct in the NFL now. He did play for the Giants. He did play in the USFL. And he was a pretty good player. He's tough, tough nose, good blocker, good lead blocker, and ran the ball with authority. That's all I got good to say about it. Mike Vrabel is the biggest name and the most important name in this group. Mike Vrabel was a good linebacker right off the bat as soon as he got uh, drafted by the Steelers and became a great linebacker with the Patriots, has several Super Bowl ranks. And, you know, it's funny. You said something about him being witty. I don't know what's, what's funnier. Him being witty, or the fact that Belichick actually mentioned it. I know. <laughs> okay, that's 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 funny too. But everything that Belichick said about him, I can believe it. Just from watching interviews, watching him on the sideline, his body language, the way he talks to his players, this guy's a winner. He's a big time winner. And if the Titans are smart, they'll hang on to him as long as they can. I can't say the same thing about the OC and the DC. It looks like the DC has been the DC there for one season already. So this would be like his second season, if I heard you correctly. But I think Tim Kelly, I think this is his first season as the OC. This offense needs a lot of fixing. And I don't know if he's going to be able to get the job done fixing it with a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill, who's on the back end of his career and couldn't even put up 3,000 yards passing last year. Now, he didn't throw a lot of picks. Looks like he threw like six picks. But then again, like I said, he's getting up in years. He's not real mobile. 
he can't take the hits like he used to. He actually only played 12 games last season. So things are beginning to come apart for that offense. So Tim Kelly's got his job cut out for him. Defensively, they need work also, but not as bad as the offense. Special teams coach sounds like he's done that for a couple of different teams. So I'd say he's probably solid. But yeah, Tannehill's on the back end of his career. And uh, I don't know that Malik Willis is the answer to their problems. I haven't heard not one good thing about Malik Willis in workouts, preseason, camps, or anything that would lead me to believe that he's ready to take over there. So that remains to be seen. Titans got a long way to go. Titans have a long way to go. Tough division, tough division. All right, that's it for the Titans. Indianapolis Colts, GM, Chris Ballard, head coach, Shane Steichen, offensive coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter. Oh, geez. Defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, special teams coordinator, Brian Mason. And we have a host of quarterbacks <laughs> as a possibility. <laughs> So we're going to take a look at all of that right now. Let's talk first about GM Chris Ballard, okay? Now, after college, Chris Ballard became a history teacher for Hitchcock Junior High and started to work with their football program. Um, he joined the Texas A&M Kingsville Javelinas football team, coaching wide receivers after that. And he also coached secondary and defense. He joined the Chicago Bears scouting department in 2001. And in 12, 2012, he received a promotion to director of pro scouting. Uh, he joined the Kansas City Chiefs as director of player personnel and remained in that position until the end of 2014, in which he received a promotion at that time to director uh, of player personnel. Excuse me. Yeah, director of, play, of football operations. That was the promotion. So he went from director of player personnel to director of football operations and stayed with the Chiefs until 2016. He was involved with drafting Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Marcus Peters. Um, in the midst of the 2016, he was introduced as the new general manager uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, kind of weird. It says he was reportedly attracted to the job following the dismissal of Ryan Grigson because of the local ownership and team history, he immediately began a roster makeover, mostly on the defensive side, where he cut four starters. He said they would have a losing record. Uh, prior to his second season, he fired Chuck Pagano. Oh, everybody loved Chuck. <laughs> Despite announcing that they assigned New England 
Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. McDaniels unexpectedly withdrew from the agreement. I remember that. Do you remember that? Yep. And 2018, the Colts announced Frank Reich as their new head coach. So they went with Frank Reich. Ballard was named the NFL Executive of the Year by the Pro Football Writers in 2018 and in 2021. And he signed a five-year contract with the Colts. So he is the GM, one Mr. Chris um, Ballard. Now, Shane Steichen, first-year coach with the Colts leaving the Philadelphia Eagles. He uh, previously served as assistant coach with the San Diego slash L.A. Chargers uh, and was the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles and spent some time as an assistant coach for the Cleveland Browns. He was a four-year letterman at quarterback at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. He was a running running rebels, right? Yep. Well, that, that, that wasn't just the basketball team. Nope. <laughs> he said his best performance when, uh, in the senior year, he came off the bench and threw five touchdowns. In 2011, he was hired by the San Diego Chargers as a defensive assistant. In 2013, he was hired by the Browns as an offensive quality control coach. 2014, he served as the offensive quality control coach for the Chargers. Worked with the wide receivers. 2016, promoted to quarterback coach, Coach Phillip Rivers, as a matter of fact, enjoying Rivers' more productive time. And 2018, he was promoted to interim offensive coordinator after the team fired Ken Wisenhunt. In 2020, he was promoted to full-time offensive coordinator, working with Justin Herbert. So he's got that in his uh, background also. Um, and in 2021, he was hired by the Eagles as the offensive coordinator under Rick, um, Nick Sirianni. Okay. So he's coached Jalen Hurts there also. So that's head coach Shane Steichen taking over for the Indianapolis Colts. Colts. That's an interesting group of quarterbacks that he's coached considering the group of quarterback that he has in uh, camp. We'll talk a little bit about them. But first, one Jim Bob Cooter is up. Now, Mr. Cooter started out in 20, let's see here, go back here. All the way back in 2007, he was assistant with Tennessee. 2019, excuse me, 2009, he was a staff assistant with the Colts. Uh, he was with the Colts, looks like, through 2012, where he became an offensive quality control coach for the Chiefs. He then moved over in 2013 to the Broncos. He spent 2014 to 2018 with the Lions as a quarterback coach and as an offensive coordinator. 2019, he went to the Jets as a running back coach. 2021, to the Eagles as a consultant. 2022 to the Jacksonville Jaguars as a passing game coordinator. And then 2023, the uh, Colts hired him as their offensive coordinator. So that's one Jim Bob Cooter. 
moving right along here, we have defensive uh, a coordinator, Gus Bradley. Now, Gus goes back to 1990, Benny, uh, with North Dakota State as a graduate assistant, Fort Lewis College as a defensive coordinator, North Dakota State as a linebacker coach, and then as a defensive coordinator, and then as an assistant head coach, defensive coordinator, and then as assistant head coach, linebacker coach. And let's see here. Again, through 2005, he was the assistant head coach there at North Dakota State. Started with the Tampa Bay Bucks as a defensive quality control coach back in 2006 and coached linebackers for the Bucks. Also coached for the Seattle Seahawks as a defensive coordinator, rather. Jacksonville Jaguars, he had some time as the head coach. 2017, he became the defensive coordinator. That was till 2016, so they let him go. He went to the Chargers as a defensive coordinator, to the Raiders as a defensive coordinator, and now in 2022, 2023, he's with the Colts as the defensive coordinator. So that's he's got a total of 33 years of coaching with 17 in the NFL. So he's got a long and uh, somewhat successful career, I would say. Um, I'll let you speak on that a little bit more. Next up is special teams coordinator Brian Mason. Brian looks to have joined Cincinnati as a special teams coordinator in 2018 after working from 2009 to 2016 with a number of colleges, including Kent State, Purdue, and Ohio State. 2023, he became the special teams coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. And then finally there, we have the Brain Trust. Now, I remember saying last week when I was looking at the quarterbacks and I was wondering whether it made sense to include second string quarterbacks because so many of those guys were beginning to take that backup quarterback job after being a starter. And, you know, actually looking forward to, to helping a recent um, draftee. I don't know if that's the situation here. Um, you've got Gardner Minshew, recently a backup for the Eagles, following Shane Steichen down uh, to the Colts. You've got high draftee Anthony Richardson, and you have Sam Ellinger. Now, <laughs> I'm going to just read a little bit from an article that uh, we, I did a little bit of research on where they were looking at all three uh, quarterbacks. It says Shane Steichen said he was pleased with Richardson's progress during the offseason program. He said, don't read too much into the coast divided up snaps between Richardson and Minshew. Only a handful of those practices were open to the media. With that in mind, we did hear some encouraging things during the offseason. Minshew's veteran mindset and knowledge of Steichen's offense, okay, since he was with the Eagles, seems like a real positive whether he starts or not. Richardson's maturity, work ethic, and coachability all were consistently praised. This is Sam Ellinger's third season with the Colts. And so he's there as probably the third string. It looks like the battle's going to be between Minshew and Richardson. 
And obviously, as high as they chose Richardson, you're, I'm assuming that that's who they really want to start. But Gardner Minshew didn't perform too badly when, and he had to come in with the Eagles. We know what he can do. He brings a wealth of experience, and he gives them an option that they don't necessarily have to start Richardson this year. What do you think there? All right, let's start with this quarterback mess. First of all, Gardner Minshew is only there because of his veteran presence, because of the fact that he did work in Shane Steichen's offense here in Philadelphia. He's the stopgap in case Anthony Richardson isn't ready to start. Anthony Richardson was drafted to be the starting quarterback, and he was drafted high, which means they expect him to be playing this season. Poor Sam Ellinger. <laughs> Bided his time, worked his way with Frank Reich, was coming up the, up the, just waiting his chance to get in there and play. You know, when Wentz came over, Ellinger, Ellinger probably said, oh, this ain't going to last long. I'm going to be the starter in another season or two. Now he's got to start from square one with a brand new head coach and a brand new system. So he's screwed. That's, that's, that's where their quarterback situation is right now. As soon as Anthony Richardson is ready, or if, in fact, Anthony Richardson is not deemed to be ready at the beginning of the season, as soon as Minshew stubs his toe or does something goofy, Anthony Richardson is the starting quarterback for this team. Now, Shane Steichen, I will give him props. He has worked with many, many good quarterbacks. Some veterans, I'm sure. I think you named Phillip Rivers. Those kind of guys, I'm sure he learned a lot from especially how to talk to quarterbacks, what they like, what they don't like, how to manage them, okay? But he's been, he's been around a little bit, and he's got that part of it down. He's also got play calling down. He did that very well for the Eagles last year. So I like Shane Steichen as a play caller. Jim Bob Cooter is an advisor at this point. I would bet a dollar to a donut. I'll bet $2 to a donut. I'll bet three dollars to a donut I don't even like. <laughs> Shane Steichen calls all the plays this year. Jim Bob Cooter is only his assistant, and will be advising him during the week on game plan. But Steichen will be running the offense. Gus Bradley, I have tremendous respect for. Gus Bradley coached the Seahawks Legion of Doom. He, in fact, some people would say he created the Legion of Doom. Oh, of boom, rather. Really? Okay. Yes. And when he left there, I remember reading and seeing on TV several players saying how upset they were that he was gone. They they loved him. So the problem with their defense won't be the coach. It'll be the players. We'll have to see if they have enough talent over there for him to live, really work with and get these guys up to snuff. Um, Brian Mason, if I remember correctly, sounds like he's been a special teams coordinator in a couple of different organizations. So, you know, he should be okay. But yeah, that quarterback situation is going to have to get hammered out uh, pretty quickly. But I'm sure that Shane Steichen thinks he can turn Anthony Richardson into Jalen Hurts. That's the plan. <laughs> 
Well, he's got an athlete. If there's anybody who could possibly do it, you know, he's got the athletic capability. So he's going to have to become as, as serious as a Jalen Hurts. And that's a, that's a serious task right there because Jalen is no joke. Jalen's serious. So, okay, there's your readout on the Indianapolis Colts. Shane Steichen has his uh, work cut out for him. And his number one job is to figure out who his quarterback's going to be. So in that, all of our number one job. Been... <laughs> Last but not least, we have the Houston Texans. GM Nick Casario, head coach D'Amico Ryan. Offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick, defensive coordinator Matt Burke, special teams coordinator Frank Ross. And yes, I did get a little carried away with this, but I only have two, two quarterbacks here, C.J. Stroud and Davis Mills. So let's start out talking about one D'Amico Ryan. And... He spent six seasons with my beloved 49ers. Uh, he helped lead us to the NFC Championship. He was the uh, linebacker coach. He was a defensive quality control coach before becoming a coordinator. Uh, he was drafted in the second round by the Texans. So he's somewhat home here uh, in the 2006 NFL draft, playing for them from 2006 to 2011. Played with the Eagles from 2012 to 2015. And uh, when he was with the uh, Texans, they claimed the franchise's first AFC South title. So he had a little bit of uh of success with them. He has the Texans record for the most tackles by a rookie and currently sits at the second leading tackler in franchise history. So I guess they had to be happy to see to, to see him uh, come, come along. Now, I think I skipped over one uh, Mr. Casario there, didn't I? GM is Nick Casario. Yeah, yeah. Long story short, D'Amico had a 10-year playing career. He was the AP Defensive Rookie of the Year. He won a number of awards during that time. He played linebacker at University of Alabama <clears throat> as, and was a unanimous All-American selection SEC Defensive Player of the Year, earned first-team All-SEC honors in 2005 and earned defensive MVP honors in the 2006 Cotton Bowl and was selected as the 2005 Lot Trophy recipient for his combination of athletic excellence and off-field achievements. All right, Benny, so let's talk about general manager Nick Casario. Now, Nick was a standout quarterback at John Carroll University, where his team compiled a 33-7-2 record in the four seasons 
he started with the team. Um, he was a two-time captain, three-time all-conference performer. He helped the team to a 10-2 record and the team's second appearance in the NCAA uh, Division III, rather, where he advanced to the national quarterfinals. He entered the coaching ranks as a graduate assistant at Saginaw Valley State. He spent two seasons with the program, joined the Patriot Scouting Department uh, in 2001. Hmm. During that time, his role was expanded to include film breakdown and scouting report preparation for the offense. He became an offensive coaching assistant in 2002 and returned to player personnel in 03 as an area scout. He also wound up with duties in the personnel department and handled coaching uh, booth responsibilities for the coaching staff on game day. Um, he had a three-year stint as the team's director of pro personnel, and he coached the Patriots wide receivers in 2007. Uh, he has he had 20 seasons, actually, with the, the New England Patriots, and which he was involved with them during Super Bowl, nine Super Bowls that they went with six wins. So he was there during their heyday instrumental in drafting and developing players who were essential pieces of one of the most successful dynasties in NFL history, named Director of Player Personnel in 2008. In Houston, he started to lay the foundation for their program. Uh, and I remember, Benny, he went there in the midst of one of their turbulent periods and it was like there was something weird that went with him being there i wasn't sure maybe you can help clarify there but i remember it was him going there it was something weird about that um i'm gonna let it's you it's funny as you're talking about him i'm thinking the same thing i can't remember the specifics but there were some players that were extremely unhappy with him for some right. reason very, very unhappy with him for some reason. It was some some shady. Uh, I actually saw a quote where a guy called him a clown freak. Okay. I have no idea what the hell that means. But oh, yeah, his, his beginnings with the Houston Texans was not pretty. But the owner decided to keep him on. Uh, I'm just... I mean, I was going to let you finish him, but he screwed a couple of coaches, man. Yeah, Lovey, you know, we had, he had, he had black they coaches coming Lovey, in. They brought Lovey Smith in. Lovey. They got rid of him. They brought another guy, another African-American coach in before him and iced him. It's like, see if you can fix this mess. Ah, uh, You can't? What do you mean only one year? Get out of here. You know. know what I'm saying? I it's know. Yeah, I, I, I think mean, I kind of felt that way with D'Amico going there, you know, as one of my Niners. And I'm like, OK, I hope this works out better for you than it has for some of those other coaches that preceded you. 
But the uh, he's got such such roots with Houston. Yeah, I'm hoping that they're beyond that now, that they're actually going to give a, a, a real chance to try to get this thing going. Okay, all right. We'll move on to offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick, who is out of Green Bay, Wisconsin, attended Michigan Tech, where he played wide receiver. And 2010, he became a video assistant with the commanders and then became their defensive assistant uh, coach. He became a quality control coach for the Niners back in 2017, excuse me, and then became an offensive assistant before becoming the offensive passing game specialist and the passing game coordinator all with the Niners and in 2023, he became the offensive coordinator with Houston Texans. So fundamentally, D'Amico took his uh, <laughs> took his coach with him. <laughs> yeah, to start somewhere. Yeah, I start somewhere. I'm telling you. So that's pretty good that uh, he was able to uh, to make that move. Uh, apparently, it says here that he was part of Kyle Shanahan's original staff in San Francisco. So he's okay. been there. That's with a plus. Him. That's a plus. Um, he helped coach Kyle Juszczyk to Pro Bowl honors in 2020. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna move on from that. Let's talk about the defensive coordinator, Matt Burke. Matt Burke goes back, Benny, to 1998, where he was a secondary coach at Bridgeton Academy, uh, became the graduate assistant at uh, Boston College and the secondary cornerback coach at Harvard before becoming the administrative assistant for the Tennessee Titans. He then became the defensive assistant quality control coach for those Titans before moving on to linebacker coach with the Lions, the Bengals, and then the Dolphins. He became the defensive coordinator in 2017 for the Dolphins and became an, a, a defensive assistant in 2019 for the Eagles, becoming their run game coordinator and defensive line coach in 2020. He became the director of game management for the Jets in 21, coached the defensive line for the Cardinals in 2022, and then became the defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans in 2023. <clears throat> so that's Matt Burt with coaching experience going back to 1998. He played safety in Dartmouth, Benny, and was part of the school's undefeated Ivy League championship team in 1996. So that's one, Matt Burke. Special teams coordinator Frank Ross uh, in 2011 became an assistant uh, for the Patriots. Uh, he coached the quarterback at John Carroll in 2013 and became an assistant running backs coach. Uh, he became a scout for the Patriots in 2015, 
becoming an assistant special teams coach in 20, uh, excuse me, that was 2015 scout for the Patriots, 2018 assistant special teams coach for the Colts before becoming the assistant or the special teams coordinator for the Houston Texans. Now, again, we have a couple of different quarterbacks that I've, that I've included when we took a look at that. C.J. Stroud. Now, what they have on C.J. Stroud, who is, what was he, the second pick in the overall draft? Right. Says, as advertised, in two seasons at Ohio State, he was regarded as one of college football's most prolific passers, lauded for his accuracy and touch. Therefore, it should surprise no one he has already impressed NFL coaches and players with those abilities in under two months as a pro. Um, let's see now. Head coach D'Amico Ryans has said Strauss is way, way ahead of pace in early June. Um, and veteran backup quarterback Case Keenum said last week that Stroud's presence is that of a four- or five-year vet, not a rookie. Uh, his ball placement has stood out throughout the spring, and his passes have rarely been off target. Uh, it says he has yet to run exclusively with the first-team offense and has split reps with David Mills. Um, he said he's special, but they believe he will eventually become an excellent professional quarterback. Um, so that, that kind of depends on how that goes with the Texans. So CJ Stroud, we both like Davis Mills, didn't we? I have a lot of respect for Davis Mills considering what he had to work with, which wasn't much. And the fact that, uh, he played hard. He, he, he took a lot of hits, a lot of sacks, but he kept getting up. He didn't miss games. He played injured did what he could for the organization. And I think he, along with a lot of the other team, uh, the other players on the team, respected Lovey Smith and what Lovey Smith did for the organization. Um, Davis Mills is a veteran, but he's a young veteran. He hasn't been around a long time, but he's seen a few highs and a lot of lows. Mm. And I'm sure he can help CJ Stroud. If they have Case Keenum down there working with these guys, either as like a, a quarterback coach. I don't know what his standing there is with the team, but if Case Keenum likes C.J. Stroud, then I, I think that means something. Because okay. Case Keenum knows what it's like to be a starting NFL quarterback. He also knows what it's like to be a backup NFL quarterback and have to be ready to deliver when necessary. Case Keenum's been through pretty much all the fires. So he, right. knows, he knows what he's looking at. Um, I don't want to say a whole lot more about Nick Casario than I've already said. Uh, I'm not sure this guy's completely on the up and up, but whatever. D'Amico Ryan, I have a lot of respect for. He was a really good player when he played. And he was a really good defensive coordinator for a really good team when he was with the 49ers. So I wish him all the luck in the world. But as far as building his staff is concerned, Bobby Slowick coming up on the offensive side of the ball under Kyle Shanahan and then being on the same staff for at least a couple of years, I can understand him bringing Slowick over with him. 
but he doesn't really know what he's going to get from him. And Matt Burke, this is his first time being in NFL DC, unless I missed something that you said. So we don't know exactly what we're going to get from him either. So, you know, the Texans have a long way to go personnel wise, and they don't have great established coaches. Everybody's new. The whole staff is new. So I don't know what we're going to get here, but, you know, I'm rooting for Ryan. Rooting for D'Amico. Well, I'm rooting for D'Amico also, man. I hope things worked out. I hope he's able to pull it together there and give those Colts and those Jaguars and those Titans some uh, competition, and we'll see what happens. Right. So that's the last team? So that's the last team, Benny. Okay, so let me make uh, my prediction like I did for all the other divisions. There is very little doubt in my mind that the Jacksonville Jaguars are the class of this division. Tannehill's on the downside. The quarterback situation in Indianapolis is all over the place. And you got a brand new brain trust in Houston that has a whole lot to prove and hasn't really proven anything besides D'Amico Ryan's proving that he can call a defense. So, yeah, Jacksonville's looking like the class of this division. I don't think they'll have any trouble winning this division. Yeah, I, I can't argue with you. Cannot argue with you there. Um, you, and you've got a situation with the Colts where, you know, another rookie quarterback, you know, right there. And, uh, you know, and Minshew, <clears throat> you know, you've got a situation with the Titans and you're not quite sure if Tannehill is really going to be able to deliver and there was some questions about whether they were maybe thinking about trading Derrick Henry. Had I heard, had you heard anything like that? Yeah, yeah there were some whispers. There were some whispers. Without, okay. without Derrick Henry, they're not going to win no damn games. They're not going anywhere without Derrick. Yeah, it's, it, it rides on his, uh, on his shoulders. Next week, Benny, the NFC South. Back to the NFC. So this should be an interesting group. Uh, that we talk about for the NFC South. Who's in that division? New Orleans Saints, Atlanta Falcons, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Carolina Panthers. Panthers, yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, no, it was funny because um, the quarterback for the Panthers is now with my Niners. <laughs> Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold went to the Niners and Baker yeah. Mayfield came over to Carolina, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Tom Brady's gone. And Derek Carr comes over to the Saints from the Raiders. Yeah, I kind of know how that division is going to go already. <laughs> well, before you say, we're going to take a look, Benny, at the Ben and Barry Facebook page and talk about some of the hot topics and current events that are going to be there. Benny, we're going to start out with the USFL championships. Last week, we watched the, the division championships between the uh, Pittsburgh um, and 
was it? What's in Pittsburgh? I forget. Uh, the Maulers, Pittsburgh Maulers, and the Michigan Panthers, <laughs> and in the South Division with the the uh, Birmingham Stallions against the New Orleans Breakers. And I was liking the Breakers going into that game. The Breakers got spanked. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like I said, Birmingham Stallions are, <clears throat> excuse me, the, um, defending champions. Maulers with the defense were able to handle the Panthers. That was a pretty good game, actually. Panthers did threaten, but they just, uh, it was a little surprising how well the Maulers offense played, but their defense was so good. They kept giving them chance after chance, after <laughs> chance. And if you do that, you let it a, a, a team with an inferior offense, you give them enough opportunities, they're going to put points on the board. And that's what happened in that game. Yeah, but I, I got to go with the Stallions and the Chips. Mr. Magoo. Mr. Magoo. The game of his life. Yep. He had the one play, Benny, where he was back in his own end zone. And they chased him out of the pocket. And he was running to, I believe, his right and threw a dime to a guy on the sidelines and got because they were, I think that was like third down or something like that. Mm -hmm. But he was pulling the rabbit out of the hat <laughs> time after time after time. You know, and I think he was MVP of that game. Probably should have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got people talking about whether or not there's a place in the NFL for him at this point. Again, a guy who will run and many times, Benny, he did not slide. But at this particular point, I wasn't too mad because, you know, it's all the marbles now. So, but I think he could have slid a couple of times. You know, he might need to, to rethink that, <laughs> that move just to make sure he gets through the game and, you know, especially in the championship game. So right now you've got the Pittsburgh Maulers against the Birmingham Stallions in the championship game. And you like the Stallions. I got to go with the stats. Yeah, I can't blame you there. I can't see why they can't handle the Maulers, but that's that defense that'll see if they can wrap up Mr. Magoo. So looking forward to that game. That game is this Saturday. So it's not far off. Mr. Magoo was on the all-USFL team. If you go to Ben and Barry in football, you'll see the complete list of that team there. Benny, they're canceling Keyshawn, Max, and Jay in the morning. I enjoy that show. I watch it every once in a while. <laughs> I watch them every morning because they come on very, really early. They do. And, and I get up early so I don't have to rush to get myself together before I have my first clients. So I'm able to watch this show. And I, <clears throat> excuse me. It's a good mix. Those three guys work really well together. Max has been around. He's been a journalist. He's been a commentator. So he kind of knows a little bit about all the sports. But I remember when Max first came up, he was all about boxing. Yeah. He was the boxing guy. Right. You got Keyshawn, who played in the NFL. And you got Jay Will, who could play in the, in the, in the NBA. Right. And they both 
are sports nuts enough that Jay Will can talk football and Keyshawn can talk basketball. So it's a good mix. It's a good show. Why are they canceling out? But there's a big upheaval at ESPN anyway. They're firing people left and right. They're letting people go all over the place. They're making some changes. I uh, understand they're bringing in who's the guy who who's um, Aaron Rodgers was always on his podcast. Oh, he's coming in with a new show in the morning. Okay, that's going to be interesting. That's McAfee. McAfee, yeah. First of all, McAfee is funny as hell. Okay. <laughs> He's a real cut up, man. You like Carton, you're going to love McAfee. All right. But he's a lot more showy than Carton is, though. He's, he's got the very big buckle belt and yeah. Crazy and he hair. wears the black tank top all the time. Right, right. <laughs> and you know who else? He on the side, he's got a side gig working for WWE. No wonder. Being a commentator for wrestling. Oh, he fits can, right in. He's perfect. Yeah, yeah. I can yeah. see that. He's perfect. So we'll have to see how this works out. Yeah. But I'm sure these guys will land someplace. I'll be looking forward to seeing where they land at. Oh, Max, yeah. Max is already on TV all day long. On yeah, Max, is, and, Max got his own show. Yeah, he, he, he's fine. So everybody's going to land on their feet. I'm not too too worried about them. Let's. This is last week's show, June 21st, the Ben and Barry show. We talked about the NFC North at that time and speaking of this is a guy who used to be with the nfc north what do you think about aaron Rodgers advocating for the legalization of psychedelics apparently he's done these mushrooms and he's yeah he actually there was actually a chart where he showed his results before the mushrooms and after the mushrooms and apparently they were dramatically better after the mushrooms <laughs> Well, there's a, there's a program, you can probably catch it. I can't remember the exact title, but I'll get it to you as soon as I figure it out. It's been on ESPN. It's not a 30 for 30. It's uh, whatever that other program they have is. And they're talking about psychedelics for pain management and anxiety. And it's all these ex-players from different sports who went through injuries and all kinds of problems and were pretty freaked out. And they've been taking uh, cybicillin. Psilocybin. Psilocybin, I'm sorry. I, I like to say cybicillin, I don't know. <laughs> Psilocybin to, uh, to help them out. And they're all like thrilled with it. It's working really well for them. Susan, it's a... Uh, uh, it's an ESPN program. I'll figure it out. I'll get it to you. All right. We'll post that link on Ben and Barry on but football. As, as far as making you a better player, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, I mean, he posted, he posted the stats and looking at yeah, If it's working for him, that's wonderful. You know? Um, so, but that's, you know, in a league that had been so staged, for so long and you know and with the drug testing and everything that they do with the way things are changing nowadays you know it just makes it more difficult i'm not sure have they what have they done as far as marijuana in the nfl do you remember i don't know but i saw an article just today where travis kelsey said he believes 80 percent 
of players in the NFL smoke weed on some level? 80%? 80%. Wow. That's, that, that's just him talking, but I'm just saying. That is amazing. I, we, we posted the clip about the uh, receiver from the PTTFL. Um, he was with, uh, who was he with again? They lost Michigan Panthers. The Panthers. So we got a chance to see him. But as I said to them, said to you, better see him, catch him now because he probably won't be there after last week's game. Congratulations to Skip Holtz, named the 2023 USFL Coach of the Year for those Stallions. So there you go. And it helps to have a guy like Alex Magoo throwing TDs three in the first half against the Breakers. That always helps. So congrats to the Stallions for reaching it. Tragedy in the NFL, Benny, and a former NFL quarterback, Ryan Mallett, dead in a drowning accident. Don't know the backgrounds on that. But it's just so sad, young man, you know, completed his NFL career. And then, you know, you look to have a great life afterwards. And that life yeah, he was, is sure. He was coaching high school in Arkansas. Uh, he played for the University of Arkansas, was a really, really good college quarterback. This, You know, we talked about this before. Guys that are really good in college, but just don't quite make it in the NFL. Right. Had a few seasons as a backup. For a couple different teams but he did uh go back to arkansas was coaching the high school team i don't know if he was on vacation or whatever but he was in florida and they were swimming uh off the gulf coast and the story i read said that several people i don't know if there's like a strong current there or something but they said there were several people that were in the water excuse me and seemed to be struggling for whatever reason. And uh, yeah, he didn't make it. That's sad, that's sad. It, you know, it's, so many times you, you hear these things and I know you've got these different types of beach swirls and all of that stuff. Me and Chris will go to the beach, we walk along the edge and we go up get in the pool. <laughs> right, <laughs> get your feet wet and that's it. That's about it. <laughs> so rest in peace, sad news for the NFL family. So, Benny, apparently Isaiah Rogers isn't the only guy that's about to get spanked for gambling. Dude, what's wrong with these guys? Didn't they just see, what's his name, Ridley? Yeah. What I don't understand. What makes them think they're going to get away with this? I, I, now, I believe this article, if it's not this article, there was another one that gives the very specific rules of what the NFL will not tolerate. Oh, it's this article. You want me to give them to you? No, I, I remember what they were, but you can go over them. For well, the I'm going for the public. audience that's uh, don't bet on the NFL. Period. <laughs> Surely do not bet on your own team. Don't gamble at your team facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. Don't have someone bet for you. Don't share team inside information. 
Don't enter a sports book during NFL playing season and don't play daily fantasy football. That's crazy. <laughs> you can't play fantasy. That's, That's what it says what? here. You can make money playing fantasy. They don't want these guys doing these guys are in the NFL, man. They, you know, they need worry about making money with fantasy. Gee, me Christmas. Then what are they gambling for? I don't know. But four, okay. four Detroit Lions players and one commander players were suspended. Quintez Cephas, wide receiver, safety CJ Moore, defensive end Shaka Tony, wide receiver Jamison Williams, and Stanley Berryhill from the Lions were all suspended for six games each for mobile betting that occurred at the Lions facility. Right. So all they're doing is going on their phone and going to uh, DraftKings or something and placing bets. Just like any normal red-blooded American would do. But if you play in the NFL, you cannot do that. And you surely, you can't bet on nothing during the season. Now in the off season, you can go in a sports book. You can bet on hockey or baseball. They're allowed to do that. But during the season, you can't bet on nothing. Okay. Well, you know, the, Sounds the, pretty simple the two Lions players have already been released, according to the article. Yeah, because they weren't good players. Yeah. Jameson's going to be a star, so they kept him. Okay, okay. He'll ride out his – he'll be back. He got uh, six games. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. All right. Well, let's close this out on a fun note, Benny. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday to one Mike Vick. Mike Vick. Wow, Vic. I was just talking to somebody about Mike Vick. I can't remember what it was about. Well, I can Ed's tell you, we talked about Mike Vick because he was with one of the rookies. Right. And he said he, he, th he thought he should improve his, pa oh. his passing. <laughs> was it the rookie or was it? Was he talking about film study or something? Oh my God! Who was it? I'm I'm wondering if it was Lamar Jackson that he was no, with. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It wasn't Lamar, but no. it was somebody like that that he was telling them to work on their passing and not run. Oh, right now, not to worry about running so much. Right, right. And work on your pass and make sure you can throw the ball. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, of all people, <laughs> but but who would know better? Right. And Michael right. Vick, the guy, the guy who was told to study film, put it in the trunk of his car, drove home, never opened the trunk, drove back, and told the coach he watched all the film. Didn't watch any of it. Didn't watch not anything. It's almost like today they have, the, I guess you could call it the Mike Vick rule, where they give you the, the, the computer, you take it home to study the film, and then you bring it back. They know how much time you spent on the yeah. computer. <laughs> right, right. But he did turn himself around. Yes, he did. Supposedly, when he got off the uh, the the dog thing, when he got out of jail, and and got out of jail, and he really took a chance on him. Supposedly, he studied super hard. They he said was a completely he, different guy, and, and I had to admit, guy. as a as a you know, I'm not an Eagle fan. 
But you had to kind of like what the Eagles did, that they gave him that second chance. Absolutely. Especially Absolutely. with the resistance that they were getting from all the dog lovers in the Philly area. Yep. You know, so he did, you know, he, he, he spent his time, paid his time, came in and turned his life around and was extremely productive for the Eagles. Yep. So I just, when Mike Vick came out on Madden, they came out with this thing. It was a, a, like a light that would shine from the, when the quarterback would drop back and the width of the light was supposedly matching his vision. And so you had a guy like Tom Brady that would drop back and the vision included the entire field. Right. Spread and the out. The difference was that you had to throw within the vision to get the accuracy that you want that you needed. Or that, you know, let's right. say if he was a 99 in accuracy, you had to throw within the vision. If you were outside the vision, you're not going to get that type of accuracy. So Mike Vick, his vision looked like a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> I love to play with him, but I couldn't because I wasn't that good to just you know line it up in that window line and get the ball off. They just did not give Mike any love on that on that uh, that vision thing that they had on Madden. Um, but I think they fixed that after they dropped it the next year, so it wasn't so much this uh, year. That that was a pain in the you know what. But happy I, birthday, Mike! If I remember correctly. There was a season where Nick Foles was the starter. No, wait. Nick Foles came in for Mike with with um um what's his name the coach uh that eventually came to my Niners Chip Chip Kelly that was Chip. right 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 that's when Nick Foles got there first right so Nick Foles and Mike Vick was backing him up right and then Foles got hurt but since you were talking about man I'm talking about fantasy now somewhere early in that season Mike Vick was on the waiver wire like nobody had it in mm. fantasy because he wasn't playing right so I was like I need a backup I said I don't think Foles is gonna make it I'm going to snatch Vic now and hold on to him, right? So I hold on to him. Foles goes down. He starts playing. I didn't start him every week, but I started him the week. He had six touchdowns and 413 yards. In oh, game. my goodness. It was one of the greatest fantasy games ever, <laughs> ever. He scored like... 80 fantasy points. It was insane. Oh my goodness. It was insane. <laughs> People were like calling me up. Yo, he's going bananas. <laughs> like, yes, yes. <laughs> Mike Vick. Oh, oh my goodness. What a guy. What a guy. You know, such a story. Such a story. All right, Benny, that's all I got. What you got? Uh, that's all I got. Uh, can't wait to talk about the NFC, NFC South. South, there we Very go. Very interesting. All right, great, uh, great piece on your on your um, free agents there. Yeah, yeah, we'll be looking forward to seeing what happens between now and the start of these training camps and how many of these guys get picked up. 
we might have to revisit this as training camp gets closer and see who got picked and who didn't. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right. All right, man. Peace out. Easy.